So welcome to Saved by Jesus podcast and on this episode we will continue on our Catholicism series talking about the papacy. The uh, Catholic Dictionary New Advent gives us a definition of the Pope. So the title Pope, once used with far greater latitude, is at present employed solely to denote the Bishop of Rome, who, in virtue of his position as successor of St. Peter, is the chief pastor of the whole church, the vicar of Christ upon earth. But the thing is, there is no position of chief pastor in the church, and any disciple of Christ's doctrine is going to pause and and think over the title Vicar of Christ. Now, what exactly does that mean? A vicar means a person who is authorized to perform the functions and duties of someone else. Or in short, the Catholic Pope is considered by Catholics to be Christ on earth, or to have the seat and authority of Christ himself. They believe that the Pope pretends to be vicar of Christ on earth. But the Bible never mentions such a position as the vicar of Christ. But the Bible rather tells us there would be false Christs that would arise. Matthew twenty four twenty four, it says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Namely, these men are called Antichrists. And the Bible also tells us there would be many Antichrists before the final Antichrists. 1 John 2.18, it says, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So when you look into the dark history behind the popes in the Catholic Church, the vicar of Christ actually being Antichrist will be more clearly seen. Now, the Catholics believe that Peter was their first pope and that all subsequent popes are his successors. They believe this because of the two famous passages of the Catholic Church. These are Matthew 16 and John 21. Let's jump off first in Matthew 16, specifically verses 17 and 19. It says, And Jesus answered, and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now let's demonstrate once again that Catholics have no understanding of biblical doctrine because these verses never make Peter the vicar of Christ, nor was any such thing ever taught in the New Testament. Let's begin by looking at the context in the preceding verses. 
So let's look into verses 13 to 15. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Jesus is not asking these questions for knowledge because he already knows their hearts and thoughts. Rather, Jesus is asking them, looking for their confession of faith, that he is the Son of God. He is Emmanuel. So we've now established the context in these verses, namely that faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's head on and continue verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Despite what many other Jews believed, Peter believed that Christ is God, specifically the Son of God who came to earth in the flesh. Again, the context is about faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. It was not by Peter's own intellect that he knew Jesus is the Son of God, but God himself revealed it to Peter because of his humility and faith. Once again, the context in these verses is about faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The name Peter means rock, and because of that, the Catholic Church has hinged their 2,000 years of papal hierarchy on the definition of Peter's name. Like, I'm not kidding, that's the primary reason. Notice that Christ did not say upon thee, I will build my church. He said upon this rock, I will build my church. The context as we have seen multiple times already is faith that Jesus is the son of God. And thus upon this rock, which is the faith that Jesus is the son of God, is the foundation, the rock on which Christ will build his church. The context is very clear, and the simple doctrine can be backed up by numerous verses. I'm going to give a few scriptures and then decide if you believe the Bible teaches that the rock is Peter, or if you believe the Bible teaches that the rock is Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 89 verse 26. It says, He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God and the rock of my salvation. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Psalm chapter 92 verse 15. To shew that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 18 Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, 
and hast forgotten God that formed thee. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. There are many more verses beyond this that could be used to demonstrate the point, but this should be more than sufficient to prove what I am teaching, namely that it is absurd to think that Peter, a mere man, or the wicked popes of the Catholic Church could ever be our rock of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ abhors such wicked doctrine, and if Peter were alive, he would also hate such a thing and rebuke it. Jesus Christ has always been mankind's rock of salvation, the sole authority and head over the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 20 to 23 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, ward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. If Peter is such an important head of the whole church, then why was he not mentioned anywhere here? Did you see anything in those verses about a pope or priest? If Peter was the head of the church of Jesus Christ, then Paul would surely have acknowledged Peter somewhere in these verses, but there is no mention of him. Jesus continues to explain his doctrine in Matthew 16. Um, verse 19, Jesus said, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There are some Christians today who struggle understanding this verse due to the corrupt Catholic influence. Catholics interpret this to mean that Peter has ultimate authority to decide who stays and who goes in heaven, which is why so many people have seen the cartoons with Peter standing outside the gates of heaven, allowing people entrance or rejecting them. But this is not anywhere close to the doctrine that's being taught in verse 19. So when Jesus said he would give the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to his disciples, what does that mean? It doesn't mean Peter is standing at the gates of heaven with a key ring ready to reject anyone on his naughty list. It means the disciples of Jesus had the special authority to bind and loose from the church, and the same would be done in heaven based on that authority Christ gave to all of them, including the whole church. 
But nowhere in these verses is it even remotely implied that Peter is the head of all Christendom and that he must pass off his scepter of rulership to other men down through the ages to be so-called Holy Pope. Furthermore, if, if Peter was supposed to be the first vicar of the, over the church, then why is he not mentioned in Paul's letter to the Romans? In Romans chapter 16, Paul greets many of those in the Roman church, including other evangelists and apostles. But Peter is never mentioned in that letter. In fact, there is no scriptural evidence that Peter ever visited the church in Rome, meaning that he may never have stepped foot in Rome. But the Catholic Church puts their faith, hope, and structure of everything they say and do on the basis of a doctrine that has no supporting evidence. The reference at the close of the Acts of the Apostles to the arrival of the Apostle Paul in Rome gives no indication that Peter was there as the leader of the Christian community or even as a resident. And the epistle that Paul had addressed somewhat earlier to the church at Rome devotes its entire closing chapter to greetings addressed to many believers in the city but fails to mention Peter's name. Now the reason for this is because if you look closely, the Catechism of the Catholic Church openly states that Catholics did not follow the Bible when it comes to such matters. According to their Catechism, it says, as a result, the Catholic Church, to whom the transmission and interpretation of Revelation is entrusted, does not derive her certainty about all revealed truths from the Holy Scriptures alone. Both Scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. Now, if you ask a Catholic what scriptural evidence that they have that Peter was the first pope, if they will be honest, they must answer that it's not based on scripture. However, I doubt you'll ever meet a Catholic who is knowledgeable enough about the religious institution and honest enough to tell you the truth openly. They blindly follow tradition. It's as simple as that. The Catholic Church also claimed John chapter 21 concerning the commandment to feed my ship as evidence that Peter was the first pope. So let's read chap John chapter 21 verses 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. So this is the basis of the catholic church that peter was their first pope because jesus said to peter to feed my sheep but let's head on to peter's first epistle in first peter chapter 5 verse 1 to 4 peter said to the elders among you i appeal as a fellow elder 
and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Peter told all the elders that they were to feed the flock or the sheep, not just himself. He also told them they were not to be lords over the flock, as the popes of Rome have done. And and he told them that they were not to seek after filthy money which priests and popes have done for centuries through the indulgences. Why did Peter not refer to himself as the chief shepherd? He called Jesus the chief shepherd. However, on the basis that Jesus told Peter to feed his ship, Catholics insist this is enough evidence to create a vicar of Christ. What Catholics don't understand is that all Christians were given the authority to teach the whole world. Jesus also said that all power was given unto him in the earth, not unto a pope. Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So why did Christ speak specifically to Peter about feeding sheep? Why did he specifically ask Peter three times? Because Peter denied him three times, and Christ was showing him mercy three times. Matthew 26, 33-34 Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Matthew twenty six seventy five, And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. There is absolutely no context here for creating a Roman pontiff or a pope that rules over all. Catholic Church teach false doctrine that the rock is Peter instead of Christ. And then they say the Pope is the sole leader over the whole world on the basis of Christ telling Peter three times to feed my sheep. I realize some people have a hard time believing that's all they've got to present as evidence and that such a deception could not possibly be that simple. But that's really it. Everything else they teach is based on traditions the popes and bishops made up, which is based on their false interpretations of these two passages. I've, I've spoken personally with, with Catholics who insist on Peter being the rock because, because Christ called him that. If we approach scripture the way that Catholics do, then, then we would have to conclude that Peter is also Satan. Because right after Christ named Simon Peter, he called Peter by the name of Satan. 
Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. This shows us that there is an inconsistency in Catholic doctrine, meaning that they won't apply their approach to scripture to all areas, only those where they think they can get away with teaching a lie. The fact is that the Vicar of Christ was not invented until 325 AD, when Constantine and his cohorts created the position to usurp Christ's authority on earth. Despite what Catholics might want to believe, the Pope was always believed to be God himself. And if Catholics would come to repentance, be willing to do a little historical research and stop blindly trusting in priests, they would find the truth. There are like countless times I've heard a typical Catholic say that the Pope only represents Christ on earth. But not only is that a lie, it is a convenient excuse and a quick response they can give to people who are suspicious of their fallacious religious cult. The truth is, the popes of Rome have always considered themselves to be Christ himself. Now, now, if you wonder how the Catholic Pope got to a point where he and others declared himself to be a god, you need look no farther than the origin of the Catholic Church, that is, pagan Rome. The Roman Emperor was also declared to be a god. For example, on his death, Julius Caesar was officially recognized as a god, the divine Julius, by the Roman state. And in 29 BC, Caesar's adopted son, the first Roman Emperor Augustus, allowed the culturally Greek cities of Asia Minor to set up temples to him. Though this was really the first manifestation of Roman Emperor worship. Emperor worship was a unifying factor in the Roman world, practiced not only by army units spread throughout the empire, the empire but also by individuals in the provinces where there were collective imperial cult centers at places such as lions in Asia or in Britain. The worship of the Roman Emperor being a unifying factor for Romans is exactly the same as the worship of the Roman Catholic Pope being a unifying factor for Roman Catholics. If you wanted to find a true date to address the origin of the Roman Catholic religion, it would not be 325 AD, nor would it be 33 AD, but rather 29 BC would be much more accurate. Earlier, we read from Catholic Catechism that tradition was to be revered as much as the Bible. But I pointed out that when the traditions of the Catholic Church contradict the Bible, they look to tradition first and foremost before they look at scripture. In short, tradition is one of their many gods. To help demonstrate that point, even Pope John Paul II understood that giving the Pope such divine titles as Holy Father seems contrary to the doctrines of Christ, but he told Catholics to ignore Christ and do it anyway. Um, let's read his statement in 1995. Have no fear when people call me the Vicar of Christ, when they say to me, Holy Father, or Your Holiness, 
or use titles similar to these which seem even inimical or opposite to the gospel. These expressions nevertheless have evolved out of a long tradition, becoming part of common usage. One must not be afraid of these words either. Or in other words, Pope John Paul II is telling you all not to fear God, nor honor Christ's commandments, and that you should blindly follow the traditions of the Catholic Church. John Paul II also rejects God's account of Genesis and and lends ear to heretics. It's on the topic of evolution. He says, The church magisterium is directly concerned with the question of evolution, for it involves the conception of man. The Lord God, though his prophet Moses stated clearly in Exodus 20 that the creation week was one typical work week, just as we experience today. And the Lord Jesus Christ stated clearly that if you don't believe what Moses wrote, then you can't believe Christ either. John 5, 47, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me, but if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? More recently, Pope Francis made the following statement to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences in support of evolutionism. He says, when we read about creation in Genesis, we run the risk of imagining God was a magician with a magic wand able to do everything. But that is not so. He created human beings and let them develop according to the internal laws that he gave to each one so they would reach their fulfillment. Now these popes, these popes did not believe what Moses wrote, and that's because they did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, they claim that with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. Now, the average Catholic has an extraordinarily difficult time accepting the truth, namely that their beloved popes have spoken so much antichrist doctrine against the word of God. But once we understand how little the Catholic Church cares about the word of God, it only makes sense why they make such blasphemous and heretical statements. Now let's read this quote one more time from this um, from the Catholic Catechism. Quote unquote, as a result, the Church, to whom the transmission and interpretation of Revelation is entrusted, does not derive her certainty about all revealed truths from the Holy Scriptures alone. Both Scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. But what may surprise Catholics to learn is that the Catholic Church believes that reading the Bible will cause men to denounce Jesus Christ as this Catholic priest states, this particular priest states that the Reformation, like the Protestant Reformation, produced indeed an exaggerated individualism, which by declaring every man equally competent to find out the doctrines of the Savior from his own private reading of the scriptures has led millions to the utter denial of Christ and his doctrines of faith and morality. Now again, the Catholic Church states that if you read 
the doctrines of Christ or you read the Bible, you will end up denying Christ. That doesn't even make sense. What's really happening is that those who read the doctrines of Christ or those who read the Bible end up following Christ and Christ will lead them out of the Catholic Church, which is what the Word of God teaches us. The Catholic Church doesn't believe in the Spirit that reveals the truth unto us. They believe you have to go through the private interpretation of the Catholic Church. <music>